0: You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast is sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bloom in Tech, the nearly fearless podcast where we pick through the rubble of the collision between technology and the entertainment and media industries to see what's left that's worth talking about. To my mind, there's plenty, it always seems, and I'm darn grateful for that. I'm your host, David Bloom, and I'm also delighted that you are joining me once again here. I deeply appreciate you lending your ear and your attention as much as you can in this crazy time we all live in. I also want to give a shout-out to my sponsors for their support. Like you, they help make this project go, and for that, I am deeply grateful. Today, a few days after the Oscars, I wanted to share some thoughts I had this week about who really won big this award season, which finally concluded, at least briefly, with the Oscars on Sunday night. I think the big winner, even if its projects didn't win the Best Picture Oscar, was Netflix. To my mind, Netflix battered down most of another barrier this week in its apparent mission to reshape Hollywood forever. And even though the streaming giant came up just short of the biggest prize in this year's Oscars, Its overall performance this season represents another win for the Big Red Inn. This week and this award season proved to be another House of Cards moment, resetting expectations for both Netflix and the rest of the industry. It also sends a particularly well-timed message of quality programming to global audiences deciding whether to keep paying those rising subscription fees. You remember House of Cards, the dark and twisty political drama based on an even darker and even more twisty British series? from back when we still thought Kevin Spacey was an amazing actor and not also a mega creep. The show debuted in 2013, built with $200 million of Netflix cash by David Fincher and Bo Willimon, a terrific cast and great writing. The resulting tsunami of promotion and hype generated 24 Emmy wins over the next few years, a newfound perception of Netflix as a home for original content, and hockey stick subscriber growth that has characterized most of the half decade since. Now comes another such inflection point at perhaps an even more complicated and important moment. Back when House of Cards arrived, Netflix was mostly home to the old shows and cast-offs of just about every other media company in town, led by comfort food series such as Friends, The Office, and Arrested Development. Now those media companies are taking their comfort food off the table, with the notable exception of NBC Universal and perhaps whatever Warner Media comes up with as they prepare to roll out their own competing streaming services. Again, seeing where the business was headed, Netflix made another big bet this year, jumping into the very serious business of Oscar campaigning in a very big way. It bought out and brought in-house the PR shop of awards guru Lisa Tabak and invested in high-profile projects from Oscar winners Alfonso Cuaron, the Cohen brothers, and Susan Bierre, though technically Bier was only, and I put that in uh, quote marks, The director of a best foreign language film winner for Denmark and uh, directed another that was a uh, nominee. So she's pretty serious stuff. Netflix spent heavily to promote those contenders. Variety estimated the company spent 25 million dollars just on Cuaron's Roma. Perhaps double what the film cost to make and goodness it sure felt like that driving the streets of Los Angeles where billboards and bus benches have been festooned for months with its ads. Cantar Media estimated that Netflix spent $7.3 million on Roma advertising between December 10th and February 17th. Nearly two-thirds of that spent on ads to the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times, who have lots and lots of older readers that are likely to be voters as well in the Oscar campaign. The spending peaked especially in the couple of weeks around Christmas ahead of voting on Oscar nominations. That Roma then tied for the most Oscar nominations with 10 suggests some definite return on investment. And when it came to Oscar night, Netflix came closer than any streaming giant or Hollywood outsider ever has to winning Best Picture. Roma won Best Foreign Language Film, and Quaron won for Directing and Cinematography. Another Netflix project, period, end of sentence, won for Documentary Short. And a side note, where I sit right now recording is about a mile and a half from the Oakwood School, where a teacher and several students put together that smaller Netflix project, and then saw it go on to become an Oscar winner. Pretty cool. In the end, Roma lost out on Best Picture to Green Book, the sort of feel-good buddy film traditionally embraced by the older, liberal, white Oscar voters who still represent so much of the Academy's membership even after a couple of years of serious diversification push to bring in younger, more diverse, and more um, people of color, etc., etc., more females. After all that, we still have a substantially older liberal white male Oscar voting body. The result was a muddled year with many contenders. The Academy in this moment reverted to classic form while overlooking, I might add, a string of very modern controversies and criticism over Green Book's celebration of a white protagonist's racial enlightenment instead of its black protagonist's racist oppression. As Variety film critic Owen Gleiberman wrote in his Oscar postmortem, there has never been a movie as arthouse as Roma that arguably found itself in the position of being the Oscar front-runner. Indeed, Roma is about as unlikely a heavyweight as you could imagine, a black-and-white film shot in Spanish and mistec, gently mining a tumultuous period in the life of a maid working in an upper-class household in 1970s Mexico City. It doesn't get more arthouse and construct than that. And though some question why Quaron would put his film on Netflix, his response was apt. What chance would a project like his have to get seen around the globe, except on a platform such as Netflix? Arthouse films just don't get that kind of audience reach. They just don't. But on Netflix, Roma got seen, and not just by critics or Academy voters receiving DVD screeners in the mail. Even in its short three-week theatrical-only run, it generated an estimated $3.5 million in box office, thanks in part to all that big push that Netflix did. It's important to note Netflix released no numbers, that's an estimate. And surely tens of millions of more people, again, no official numbers from Netflix, saw the film online. So let's review. Quaron got to make the beautiful, unique movie that he wanted in just the fashion he wanted to make it. It had a lavish and sophisticated awards season campaign, one of the biggest I can recall. It was seen by millions of people, far more than any foreign language film of the past couple of decades, with the possible exception of the transcendent Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which won four Oscars, including, as with Roma, Best Foreign Language Film. It grossed $213 million back in 2000, when that was real money, and it had a Netflix sequel in 2016, interestingly enough. Roma did just about as well, though we'll never know on the box office, there's not going to be a clear equivalency. But it won three major Oscars and laughed all the way to the bank. For a top-level filmmaker, that's almost as good as it gets. To name-check another Oscar winner. But even without the Best Picture Oscar, Netflix got what it wanted, a stamp of content quality for its subscribers and of artistic support for its future filmmakers, and that will help Netflix compete against all those media companies starting their own streaming services. If that's not a winning Oscar season, I gotta say, I don't know what is. Oh, and for those of you who are kind of missing the craziness of this year's Oscar campaigns, here's the good news. The first Emmy for-your-consideration events start this weekend. You can bet that Netflix will be there, too. Anyway, this is David Bloom, thanking you all again for your kind patience and interest. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and share my podcast wherever you heard it on all the platforms where it appears. It really makes a big difference with all those wacky algorithm thingies that seem to rule the universe these days. I would greatly appreciate it, and it helps me get out there even more and share the wisdom, such as it may be, with the rest of the universe. In the meantime, you have a great week. This is David Bloom for Bloom Tech. Over and out. You've been listening to Bloom and Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone.